You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. Are you watching COVID immunization numbers rise? Are you also noticing the COVID cases increase with the Delta variant? Are you wondering how communities can remove structural barriers to immunization and therefore accelerate vaccine uptake? Yeah, me too. This is Primary Care in a Pandemic. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm a medical anthropologist working at the University of British Columbia's Department of Family Practice. And I'm Morgan, a family doctor working in the inner city, and I'm faculty in the Department of Family Practice. We're both part of the Primary Care Innovation Support Unit, or the ISU. Sarah, Canada's doing really well with vaccine uptake. I think that, I mean, it's something to be proud of, for sure. Well, definitely, but also there's the the whole new uh, factor of the Delta variant. The Delta variant really means we need to do better. And I think average uptake doesn't mean uniform uptake. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. And it's also, it's, it's not necessarily equitable uptake either. We need to think about that. So there are areas and groups with lower vaccine uptake. And we've invited Amanda Fraser. She's part of our team at the Innovation Support Unit to talk about a project that we've been building called IMPAC that helps communities look at more equitable uptake for vaccine and how to reduce some of the structural barriers to vaccine uptake locally. And we're really excited about IMPAC because we've, we've just now got funding from the Public Health Agency of Canada to really roll this out across Western Canada. So we're working with BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba and really thinking about how to take this method and support communities who are looking at trying to figure out how to increase vaccine uptake and really keep the patient at the center of this kind of discussion. We're just off of uh, two days of training, so we're all kind of a little jazzed about that. I want to introduce Amanda and welcome her to the podcast. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Morgan and Sarah. Thanks for having me on today. It's great to have you here. Great to be here. So we're going to talk just a bit about what is this impact project and, and how does it help? And first, I think let's chat a bit about what does this impact project do? What are we targeting? Who, who are we trying to help? That's an excellent question. So the impact project is really designed at bringing those community level voices to the table with public health around immunization planning and support for COVID-19 immunization. And what I mean by that is public health in Canada has done an incredible job at boosting immunization rates across our country. We're also still not quite gathering up to 100% or really that 90% mark that we need to hit. So we're missing that mushy middle. And that's what IMPACT is designed to do, is to get down and look at the community local level challenges, bringing local voices to the table, discuss the local barriers. So you said, you know, that this is really targeting the, the mushy middle. What do, you, what do you mean by mushy middle? Yeah, so the mushy middle, when we think about that for vaccination, so we have those folks across our country who are gonna put their hands up regardless, get the shots in the arms, no matter where that site was, they were gonna show up. And we probably already have, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've definitely hit that mark and Canadians have put their hands up and put their rolled up their sleeves to get their shots in greater numbers than we could have imagined. However, there's that 20 to 30% mushy middle that haven't quite gotten it. And those are for a number of reasons. And it's not necessarily that they are anti-vaxxers, if you will. There's just barriers or other reasons that they haven't been able to get there. So that's what we're targeting. Not the f folks who are truly against getting a vaccination, but just haven't had either the opportunity or there are other barriers standing in their way. 
There's a really good point, Amanda, that mm -hmm. there's lots of those structural pieces that you don't think about and you might not know about the local barriers when you're planning something at a provincial level, right? So we want to get vaccine within a certain geographic region, a certain number of kilometers away from or near to the majority of the population. But there's other things to think about that might be structural barriers in terms of access, time of day, whether or not you have got transport or how to improve transport and those sorts of things. And those are common, but the solutions are actually unique in, in each community. Well, and Morgan, you know, I'm going to put my uh, anthropologist hat on here for a second. Context is always so important. And when you're looking at this kind of big systems level planning and the amount of effort that's had to go into this vaccine distribution, you really can't expect those higher level planning opportunities to take local context into account. And that, I think, is really what this method does. And then the flip side of this is, is really the equity gap. I think in that, what you're calling the mushy middle, Amanda, there's a lot of equity issues that come to play. There are people with limited transportation. There are people who have to work multiple jobs who might not have flexible scheduling for their immunization. There might be people who are, you know, unable to do things without childcare. There's some very tangible structural barriers that are also, I think, really tied to issues of equity that need to be considered and can only really come to light when you think about this kind of planning in a very person-centered way. The other part of that is getting that local engagement. That We know that community engagement really matters, especially for those changes when people are a little bit, a little bit hesitant or it's not a top priority. Having ownership of those changes, be it in healthcare or not, it's absolutely uh, a, a way to improve uptake. And so we're at a point right now, Amanda, as you said, where we've all the people who have put their hands up before there was a vaccine have got their dose, got their second dose, many of them, but now we're in this other spot of people who have local barriers, local questions, you know, public messaging from a, a regional or provincial or national perspective isn't enough. So what can we do locally to, to reduce those barriers and help people make different decisions? And that's really why we looked at impact. We keep throwing the acronym around. Let's talk about what it is. Well, I guess the first question really is, is how does impact work? What is this? And what we're talking about really is a two hour facilitated workshop that brings together a local group of planners of public health representation, community organization, municipal level, all of these different sorts of people who are closely connected to what's happening on the ground in their community about immunization, but may not have opportunities to connect across sectors. So what it really does is bring, brings all these voices into the room around a, in this case, a, a digital map. Then we use that to map out different kinds of patient populations represented by different personas who are aligned with subpopulations that have been identified by the community as having a higher need, having more barriers to immunization and having lower vaccine uptake. So we might have a patient persona who is insecurely housed patient persona who doesn't have access to transportation. There might be a patient persona whose English is second language and has all of these access issues because they're not comfortable going on their own to a place where they might not understand all of the instructions. And over the course of a two-hour session, what we really do is facilitate a discussion over the map to really think through what would some ideas be that are community-specific, that are local, that could pull everyone together to really think through solutions. So Sarah, I'm gonna jump in with a couple of thoughts. One is those personas are simulated people 
So we don't talk about people between the ages of 65 and 75 who haven't yet got a vaccine. We talk about Gus, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is part of Gus's story and how can we help Gus? And that really brings us into that whole person-oriented approach to improvement. And I think that that's the key part of how things work. And then the other is we don't bring the solutions. Yes, they might be similar, but they're being co-generated. And I think that that is really an important part of how this works. Amanda, do you have uh, some examples of ideas that came out? Yeah, so we've had a couple really great sessions and totally diverse uh, settings. For example, we've done one in a, a northern community with an urban hub and lots of surrounding rural towns. And then we've done a more inner city supportive housing scenario. And I'll just pull an example from our um, northern community. A lot of the barriers that we were discussing were around access to the mass immunization site. We're talking about how community members who live outside the urban boundaries would access uh, the vaccination site. So, for example, we talked about Gus. And in this situation, Gus the persona lives in the rural outlying area and had missed the targeted vaccination clinic that had come to his small community and now is expected to go and get his vaccine from the ma mass vaccination site. However, Gus doesn't have a vehicle. Gus doesn't have any money to get on the bus to go into town. So what were his options? And from that session, the community stakeholders came together and said, well, we have a grocery bus that goes out to these communities and brings people in to our urban center in order to buy their groceries at the supermarket. Let's tag that up to going to the vaccination site so they can get their groceries and their vaccine without an appointment at the same time. Similarly, within that community, we had the city mayor and city manager at this table, and they were talking about what about within the community for folks who don't have the funds to be able to reach the vaccination site? Well, they talked about on Canada Day, we offer free transit. Can we do that for the COVID vaccine? So that became an option. And had the city mayor not been at and city manager not been at the table, that opportunity may not have presented itself and may not have come forward. I love the grocery bus example because, yes, we can all talk about transport in the abstract, right? And we need to help people get to their vaccination. But that service was there and could be then easily paired and that people would use it. And that was that was just sort of a brilliant local adaptation. Yeah, it's meeting people where they're at and meeting the needs of the region. And we have lots of regions like that across Canada. And I think that's a transferable lesson and learning that we could take forward and share broadly. Yeah, and it's not the specific that if you have a grocery bus, do this, but it's thinking about what are the local services that are there that you can pair together. That's what this conversation accelerates. And so much of the value, I think, is in the discussion that happens over the table. The, the, the maps that are created are great, but really it's the conversation, it's the building of relationships that can kind of start in that space and then move forward into action, right? One of the really tangible uh, examples that I, I just loved was we were sitting in this mapping session talking about how do people know do people know where the immunization center is? Do they know that they can bring somebody with them? And people in the session were piping up like, I didn't know I could bring somebody with me until I showed up at the site and saw other people had people with them. That would have really helped my parents had they known that. And then I think we had the example of someone sitting in the session and being like, you know, I'm just on the side of my desk right now looking through the local paper and I've realized that, you know, although we do a really great job of advertising for positions at the immunization center right now, we're not actually giving any instructions in the paper to people about where to go, when to go, who they can go with, any of the, you know, that basic information was kind of 
missed. That's right, yeah. So much was done so quickly to get everything off the ground, right? That some of those key awareness pieces that are so easy to change really float to the top, I think. And those can be done in support of public health, helping to take some of the burden off the gargantuan efforts that public health have and are leading across our country, but then supporting at the local level that bi-directional support and that grassroots support for vaccination efforts. Yeah, Amanda, I think that's a really good point. This is not to undermine what public health has been doing. It's to help. Public health has done so much work, and this is to help with that last piece hopefully, the last piece, and to take some of that burden off where it's not going to be possible for public health to now start to dive in locally and try to come up with local solutions. We're doing it together. And I think that's a key piece of this. So with that note, who should be involved in the workshop? If, I, if we were saying, well, let's do a session in our community, who should we invite? Well, I think what we've seen and what we've realized is that there's so much value in having a diverse group. So when we say diverse group, we're thinking public health representation, primary care representation, NGOs that work with specific subpopulations that you know you're trying to target. I think local government, patient voices, cultural leaders, indigenous leaders, and really any other key local representatives that are determined by the community. There's a piece of pre-work here that these sessions really are community-led. So community identifies what the issues are, who needs to be in the room, and what kinds of patient personas they really need to map out. Yeah, Sarah, thanks for outlining that. I think it's important to mention the level of folks in the room and in the session. So we're looking for those representatives who are in decision-making roles and able to action some of the prototyped ideas uh, and suggestions that come out of the mapping session and really take those forward and run with them. We know that best evidence tells us that local leaders know local barriers and local solutions better. And I think that's what this method aims to highlight, making COVID-19 immunization as easy as possible and removing those structural barriers, and in some cases, removing the social and cultural barriers as well, because they're tailored to the local context. I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit more about what we mean by community. We keep throwing around this local context, communities. What populations can we focus on for an impact session? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think it depends on what the need is. And, and when we designed this, we actually designed a thing called PAC, which we started pre-pandemic, and then we've adapted it to immunization PAC. And, and really we were thinking about it, designing this at kind of the 10,000 to 30,000 foot level. And by that, I mean like, like population of people that you're gonna start to support would be in that range of 10,000 people or so. And then thinking about breaking that down to where the service needs are for a group of people in that kind of level. So smaller communities, I wouldn't think you would do a single pack mapping session for all of greater Vancouver. That'd be huge and that you want to break it down into much smaller communities, uh, you know, 10,000 or, or fewer people. That's right, Morgan. Sometimes we can use it for smaller populations in the hundreds to low thousands as well within a community. So Amanda, I know that we had a great opportunity to do an impact session at kind of a smaller scale. Uh, I'm wondering if you want to talk a little bit about that and what we learned. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. We had a great opportunity through our partners in Manitoba to run an impact session with a supportive housing unit where immunization rates were incredibly low, somewhere around the 30% mark. So we ran a session bringing together diverse stakeholders and 
During that session, the group brainstormed a pop-up clinic on-site, drop-in only, uh, no turnaways. And they'd been thinking about this idea of a pop-up clinic for a while, right? That's right, and didn't quite know where to go from there. And I think really that's what this method can do so well, is back to that idea of an accelerant, right? These conversations were happening. It's, it was really just about getting all those people into the room to have a quick, really focused discussion to get all these ideas out there and then move them forward to action. And what impressed me was, yeah, pop-up clinic, we, I knew that already, it said, said public health, which was true, but the nuances of how we could structure the building, the supports, coordinate the client support team, you couldn't predict it from a regional perspective as to what would work well, but from a local perspective that, oh, you know what we can do? We have these, these extra rooms, so we'll book them off for the session so that if people are anxious, they can go there separately. And for this group of our population, we don't recommend doing it, you know, as a main lobby, but we're going to have to go door to door. And they were giving us very concrete examples of, because they knew that population and those people really well. And I mean, I think there's just, there's so much potential here to help think about how do we really quickly accelerate and ramp up immunization with an equity lens, with a patient focus lens. So if people are listening and are really interested in learning more, how, how do people get this into their own communities? That's an excellent question, Sarah. We are actively training facilitators across the four Western provinces as we speak, and we are actively here to support facilitators and the ongoing community sessions as well. Check out the video that we've created to see it in action and get a little bit more of a sense of what this looks like. Sarah, the hard part about a podcast is impact is very visual, isn't it? <laughs> so we, we do have a video the link is in the show notes. If you think your community might benefit, please reach out to us at the ISU and we'll link you to your provincial impact team. If you are interested in learning more about impact mapping or being connected to us, please reach out to us at impact at covidtoolkit.ca. For more information, check us out at covidtoolkit.ca. The links are in the show notes. And thanks, Amanda, for joining us today. This has been so much fun. Yeah, it's been great to have you on. Thanks for having me, guys. So... This is our last episode for season two, Sarah. Can't believe it. It's gone really fast. And we were a little delayed on this last episode. The timing has been great, though, to get uh, a little bit more information about impact now that it's rolling. We are planning on coming back for another season. We were thinking maybe there won't be a next season because maybe there won't be any challenges. But now we know that it's looking like we're going to be uh, engaged for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So we're planning on coming back in the early fall and kick off season three. We've got some ideas and we wanna hear from people about what might be helpful going into the fall uh, for primary care in a pandemic. So let us know and we'll put information on how to contact us in the show notes. Thanks. Thanks everyone. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 